Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Yes. Well, praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I don't deserve the love of God, and I don't deserve Brother Ronnie's love. But I have a Savior who has made that possible. I have a Savior that's made that possible. I am, I am thankful today to be here with you. I came to Crossroads Church today. I, I didn't know what to expect. I, you know, I, Brother Ronnie gave us a tour yesterday. Uh, I have my darling wife with me. She's been with me for 46 years. And uh, uh, I'm thankful for that. Um, Debbie, that's Sister Debbie. You just, she makes great biscuits, by the way. Y'all need, need to come by and and uh, they float off your plate, you know, <laughs> you know. But anyway, uh, uh, they gave us a tour yesterday. Brother Ronnie gave us a tour, and I was excited and thankful, overwhelmingly thankful to see what God is doing here. But when I got here this morning, that was really what settled it for me. I saw life coming in the doors. I saw people who cared for each other. I saw people that were coming in the door that had a great expectation for, I believe, for uh, you wouldn't be here today if you didn't expect the Lord to, to do something in your life. You know, I, I mean, why come to church? You might as well go to the Moose Lodge down the road, you know. You might as well go to Walmart, but... but you come here because you find God here. And you find God's people here. And you find God's word here. And you find God's work here. And you find God's love here. And you know what? The church is to be a little portion of what you find, what you will find in heaven you know, you know, you come here to enjoy and fellowship and love and, and hug. Where's my brother? Where's, where's he at? Okay. And hug. Can you imagine what hugging's going to be like in the heaven? You know? I'm going to hug my papa again. I'm going to hug my, one of my best friends, Brother Daryl, that went home to be with the Lord eight years ago. I'm going to hug him again. You know, and that's all because, this is all because of the Lord Jesus and what he's doing here. I did not know all the specifics. When I saw people coming in the door, I saw life and I saw, I saw uh, expectation and I saw uh, happiness. And I told Brother Ronnie, I said, I'm thankful to see 
joy on the face. And if it's in the, on the face, joy, joy can't be um, faked. There's no, it cannot be feigned. Joy cannot be feigned. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, you, you know, you might act happy, but you won't, you will not fake joy. Okay? And joy is what you find in the Lord Jesus. Joy is what you find in the place where you find the Lord Jesus. And that's what you find here. And I saw joy on the faces of people, and I knew it was in their hearts. I'm so thankful to be here today. So thankful. Now, Brother Ronnie, I got to tell you something. Oh, boy. I had to take an ice cold shower this morning because he forgot something. You know, the preacher that organizes everything, you know, the preacher that he's got, he's got, he's got charts for organization, you know, in his life. Everything is organized in his life, but he didn't remember to turn on the hot water. He wanted me shouting before I got here. <laughs> and he did it. I didn't know where you were headed in your church life. I didn't know the, the specifics. And the Lord laid on my heart a message. When your sword is in the sheath. I'm going to, I pray that I'm able to explain a few things this morning that will help you in your life and encourage you and propel you to be a, to be what you really, what the Lord expects you to be. If you're a Christian today, there are, not only do you come in here with expectations, but you come in here and you find out what the expectations of your God is. I know Brother Ronnie doesn't beat around the bush. He says it like it needs to be said. And that's a good thing. That's a very unfound thing. Uh, It's a characteristic that you won't find in pulpits today. He doesn't hedge. He doesn't pull punches. He loves you, but sometimes you get your toes stepped on. And the old saying is, if your toes are getting stepped on, maybe they're in the wrong place. Maybe they're just not in the place they need to be. And Brother Ronnie's telling you to back up or move sideways or move forward or do something so that you don't get your toes stepped on. That's the conviction of the power of God, the word of God in your heart. And God is trying to help you become what he expects you to be. You have a sword. And your sword is your witness. And I'm going to show you that this morning. If God will allow me to, I'm going to show you that your sword is your witness. That's the first thing that God works in your life. That's the first thing that he deals with you on is after you're saved, what do you do? You get baptized, 
right? You know what baptism is? It's your witness, okay? Now, let me tell you this. It's your witness, your testimony, and your story. It's who you are. Now, it's who you are now. It's what God is, has changed you to be. It's what God has worked in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the power of the Word of God. He's changing you. He changed you to start with. He brought you from darkness into light. That is a complete uh, work of in a sense, medical, spiritual surgery that God completes. It's completed by the surgeon. I want you, the next time you go to the hospital, sit up in your bed in the surgery room and say, hey, doc, I want to help. <laughs> He's going to say, You're cr this one's crazy. When people say that you have to help yourself to get saved, it's not like that. When people tell you that you have to help yourself to get changed, it's not like that. It's the complete, total work of God in your life. And it is completed. To never be changed the Bible says that you're sealed until the day of redemption. And redemption is when God comes here and the Lord Jesus calls us and calls us and changes our bodies into that glorified body and brings us into heaven. And that's the day of redemption. That's how long you're sealed. Forgive me, I'm, I get dry mouth really quick. I may need about... I, you know what? I think I need one of those backpack things. <laughs> I, I might end up being a Presbyterian and sprinkling you all today by accident, so <laughs> forgive me. I've done that to our church several times. By the way, I pastor New Song Baptist Church in Lafayette, Tennessee. If you're from Lafayette, you say it like that. If you're from Indiana, you say Lafayette. And they know, brother, brother Ronnie preached at our church. We have, we have church, okay, but it's little, all right? And uh, he, I never, I'll never forget he preached on love, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Our church is thankful for your pastor. Now, what happens when your sword is in the sheath, when your story is not being told? Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The Lord's brought me through a lot. Have you ever met those people when you say, hello, how are you doing? They, they open up this list of 10,000 things that's, you know, and then you get the second side. You know, and I don't want to be like that this morning, but Brother Ronnie didn't know. December, COVID, January, uh, Debbie, gallbladder, February, uh, blood clots went through my heart, settled in my lungs, of 
the last of February, had uh, heart blockages and almost had a heart attack. And, the, you know, it just, the story just keeps going on. This, I retired the, in November in, uh, from, nor, from regular work, okay? And I, Debbie said, you need to go back to work. <laughs> you need to go back to work, okay? But anyway, you know, I'm here to tell you there's a God that will give you joy in the hardest times of your life. Okay, he'll give you joy when happiness, the world doesn't know what true joy is. It goes beyond happiness. It over, it exceeds, it overwhelms happiness. I'm thankful for being happy. I met the grandsons yesterday and I was happy. And then I met the grand dog yesterday and I was happy. Okay, but joy is knowing that they all know the Lord Jesus as Savior and we're all going to be back together again one day. As you look at Philippians, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, I take you to uh, verse number 17 and Paul is writing here, uh, the, 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 the epistle to the Ephesians is a prison letter, by the way. It's a prison letter. Paul wrote it from jail. Those guys that are always telling you that uh, progression is money in Christianity, it's not true. Progression is joy in Christianity. It's joy. It's finding the joy of the Lord in the hardest of times. And we're here in Ephesians, and we're looking at verse number 17. Paul has gone through the total of the, um, the armor of God. And in a sense, I'm going to preach on the armor of God. And I thought that song was wonderful in its words today about the weapons. Okay? I look at here, verse number 17, and it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God put a sword in your hand. His expectation is for you to use it. What you have today in the sense of the word of God, you say, well, preacher, I can't, I I have a hard time memorizing. I'm going to tell you that there are parts of the Word of God that you can memorize by accident. Okay? If you'll just read it and think about it and pray over it, you'll memorize the parts that God wants you to memorize. And then He'll bring it back to your mind when the time comes for you to use it. Don't necessarily worry about memorizing the Word of God. Read it and pray over it. Ask God to apply it to your life, and it'll come in there by accident. You will become more proficient at speaking the Word of God than you ever dreamed. So don't trip and stumble at the Word of God. Read it. Pray over it. Talk to God about it. Meditate on it. 
And I guarantee you, God will give you gifts. God will put it in your heart and in your mind, and you will be able to use it. It is the Word of God. The Bible says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When He gave you your change, when He changed you, and may I use this word, converted you, okay? I'm, I, I, you know, I live, I, I've made this joke a couple times today, and I love it, okay? Uh, I said, I, I live in Kentucky, and the church is 12 miles across the state line in Tennessee. We actually got lost in Tennessee and found a house in Kentucky. Uh, people laugh, but there's no street signs, and there's no road signs, and down there, you're going in those hills and hollers, and you don't necessarily know where you are. And we went up on a ridge, and she said, there it is. She said, there it is. That's the one I want. I thought, okay, Lord. You know, and so we went back to the real estate agent, and he said, I told you about that house three weeks ago. It's in Kentucky, and you said you didn't want it. And I go, oh. <laughs> the hardest thing in my life was to put a Kentucky State driver's license in my wallet. But I did because I'm committed, amen? <laughs> and that was the house she loved. So, you know, and we, living in Kentucky and pa pastoring in Tennessee, I said this morning three times, I was able to use that joke three times. <laughs> I said, that qualifies me to be a foreign missionary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you go down to the Tennessee, you go across the line in Tennessee, those people are different. They're different in a good way sometimes, you know, but they're different. And the Lord's doing a good work down there, and we're thankful for it. But when God changes you, you, you he converts you, and everybody in Tennessee is saved. If you ask anybody if they've been saved in Tennessee, oh, yeah, I'm saved. But there's no difference in their life. I'm not saying, I, you know, I, you know, when I got saved, God didn't, you know, I, I wasn't absolutely clean. I mean, the blood of Jesus washed all my sins away. But there were still some of the old, a few of the old things that, that, hung on in my life, okay? And in time, God changes that. The word of God changes that. When you ask somebody if they've been converted, they go, in Tennessee, they go, what's that? <laughs> I said, well, from the day you got saved to the way you're living right now is different than what you lived before you got saved. They look at you and they go, well, well, and then you've got room to work with them. Then you've got room to work with them. Because if they're not changed uh, in, in the sense that they're different, then they've not been converted. And conversion is part of salvation. Conversion is part of who you are now. 
God changes your want to. God changes your desires. He helps you with those things. You're not left alone there. And that becomes part of your story. That becomes part of your story. The Bible says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit of God comes into your heart, into your life. And God gives you your story and it becomes the sword of the Word of God in your life. If you don't ever tell your story, your sword is always in the scabbard. What good is that? What good is that? What kind of, what kind of tool is that? For it to stay in the scabbard, I got a little story. I've got, we have nine grandbabies. And the, the caboose is five. And the, the last car is six. And they're brothers, and they were down at the house. And for the last three years, being cognizant, there's these wild dogs outside. And Brother Ronnie can tell you, we live in, we live in, the, in the Kentucky outback, if there is such a thing, okay? And those moon dogs, those coyotes, scream at us every night. And it sounds like there's 500 of them. And the boys become, become uh, uh, cognizant of that, and, and they started calling them Wycotes. Okay? And, and it comes up in the conversation a lot. Those boys, they were talking about those Wycotes. For the long, so for the last three years, we've been Wycote hunting every time they come down. Well, this last year, being a little bit older, they're saying it right now, coyote hunting, and I got them two $1.69 Tennessee flips. How many of you know what that is? A Tennessee flip. That is a slingshot, okay? Okay, and I found them at the store called Piggly Wiggly, okay? All right, and I, I... I got them and I gave these boys these slingshots and they'd never had a slingshot in their hand. So they thought this was the most amazing thing. And they said, what, Papa, what's going on? I said, we're going coyote or coyote hunting. We're going to kill coyotes with these slingshots. We sure are. We sure are. So the time came, it was nine o'clock at night, nine, Saturday night, and and we were, we were getting ready to go out the door, and both of them came to me, and they said, Papa, we want to go with you, but we don't want to go with you unless you take your knife. And I got this knife that my son bought for me over in Oklahoma. It's about 14 inches long, and it's in, it's in the sheath, okay? And it's got a great big stag uh, handle on it, you know, and it's shiny, it's polished, and I don't ever do nothing with it. It just sits on, a, on the fireplace hearth. But they decided that that was what was needed to go coyote hunting. So we did. I grabbed it, and we started out the door, and I was going down the driveway. You know how pawpaws are. They're behind me, and I'm, I'm going like this. You know? And they said, wait a minute. Wait a minute, pawpaw. Wait a minute. 
you have to take that knife out of the sheath. Because we can't go with you if you don't take it out of the sheath. So I said, okay. But the, the, the moral of the story is those five and six-year-olds knew that, that that knife, that blade was of no help as long as it stayed in that sheath. Your story is not of any help to anyone unless you take it out of the sheath. It's got to come out of the sheath, my, my friend. You've got to say it. You've got to tell it. The reason why God gave you your story is because he chose you for his team. You've got to understand you're in a long line of people from before you that have been on the same team. I was talking to the dear sister this morning. She said, you know, she was humble. She was concerned about being effective in her work for the Lord Jesus. I said, you know what? God's brought you here for this hour. We live in a perilous time. And don't, don't worry about the day and the hour in which you live because God's brought you here for, the re- for that reason. You're the perfect person for this time now. You're not here by accident. God's not standing up there in heaven going, well, uh, that person dropped into that slot and I wonder how they're going to do. The Lord's not like that. You think David killing the giant was an accident? No, no way. David was, was, was brought about because God had a, a circumstance in that hour that his people had to, had to uh, uh, do the work of God to fight against the devil. And that is the hour that we're in today. And you are God's David in this hour. Pick up that sling put a rock in it, and swing it, and send it sailing. That's your story. And you have to remember, you go back here, it says put on the whole armor of God. It didn't say put on the whole armor of Ralph, Susie, you know, Claude, it didn't say put on the armor of, of Rachel. It said put on the armor of God. You're putting God's armor on. That's a, that's a very simple thing. But you've got to realize that God has never asked you to do anything that he isn't going to take part in. You know, so many times we think we're alone. We think that we're, there's nothing out there that I can do because I can't do it by myself. First of all, you know there's a whole lot right in when you think that. But the wrong part of when you think that is you think that you're doing it by yourself. No, you can't do those things on your own. God has to be your teammate. God has to work in your story. God has to to uh, 
to purpose it. And for it, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 that when the word of God, 55, when the word of God goes out, it accomplishes everything that God wants it to accomplish. And it's not going to return back empty. There's an old word that we don't use anymore, and the word is inane. I, I believe it's I-double-N-A-N-E, I believe. I'm not the spelling bee person in my class, okay? That means, that means empty, without purpose. If, if God sets a person in front of you, and all of a sudden, two words pop up in your heart, and then they move from your heart to your brain, and then it comes out your eyes, and you see across that person's forehead your story. God's telling you something. God's telling you that you, you're put there in that time for that reason, for that purpose. And the point number two, not only are you on Team Jesus, you are, you are there. Let me make sure. Your story, your sword, yeah. Your sword imparts faith to that person who has no faith. Now, there's a lot of people that don't understand this. Faith cometh by hearing, and what? Hearing by the word of God. Your story has the word, has the, the word of God in it. And when you tell your story, that person who has no faith has the first opportunity in their life to have faith in God. Oh, you know, I'm too scared. I don't want to tell my story. I'm going to turn around and walk away. I'm going to go and do something else. I, I got to find something else to do. Do you realize that you just shut the door of heaven on that person having faith in their life, possibly for the very first time? Now, I, I'm not here to put you on a guilt trip. But I am here to tell you the truth. Don't shut the door on people. I mean, what better can you tell? You can't tell Greg Wilson's story. You might be able to tell the story of other people but you can't tell it like they can tell it, and nobody can tell your story like you can tell it. God never gives you something to do that he's not going to be a part of it. Can you imagine, and I know this has been preached before, but God saying, Noah, and he said, yes, Lord, I want you to go out and get every animal by twos around the whole world and bring them back to this boat. He says, what's a boat? Oh, yeah. Noah, I need you to build this big, gargantuan, wooden object that no one's ever seen before because it's going to rain. And Noah says, what's rain? Because it had never rained before. So God explained to Noah, and Noah had to start on the boat that he'd never, you know, how in the world is he going to build this boat? See, God, God was involved in that. 
I can see Noah. I can always, I, I, I've done a little bit of work, you know. I'm the guy that's done a million things. And except for the grace of God, it's never amounted to anything. Okay? I have been, I have said, oh, this is going to be an easy job. On, on How many of you fellas are construction you 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 know what or or mechanics and you look at a and you say oh this is going to be easy and that last bolt strips out and your easy job then becomes two days you know i mean uh, but noah i i know noah had the same kind of situation he had a peg that wouldn't go in a hole and as as you know, once you put, start putting it in and you hammer it a couple of times, that baby ain't coming out. So he goes home that night and he says, honey, I got another one. I don't know what I'm going to do. The peg won't go in the hole. And you know how the wife is. Oh, you forgot. Wives are museum curators. Okay. They can go back in time and bring things up <laughs> and show you a verbal picture and show you a verbal picture of what you have forgotten. Okay? And I believe Noah's wife was probably the same way. And she said, oh, honey, here you are, all upset, all burnt out, all, all exasperated. Come home all discouraged because you can't put a peg in a hole and you forgot what happened to you the last time. <laughs> now, I don't, I, as, as, now, I believe in miracles, okay? I believe Noah did all he could do, tried all the tricks he could. The best mechanic is the mechanic that has all the tricks in the bag, you know, you've heard that. I think he tried all he could do, and he went home and defeated because he had, he had forgotten what God had done in his life before. Have, okay, what about that part of your story? There's a lot of times you've forgotten what God has done in your life before. And the, the problem that you're facing right now, you, the problem that you're dealing with today, the, the damage that, that you're having to deal with, the, the, dis, the desperation, the disappointment, the heartache, the, the sorrow that you're going through, and you've forgotten what God has done before. And then you have a precious wife. Amen. Now, I'm not, at this point, I appreciate the smiles, but okay, uh, I, and that's good, but I want you to know our, our spouses, our help me, are a gift from God, okay? And how could Brother Ronnie make it without his precious wife, Carrie, Okay? Noah's wife said, Noah, trust God. He's helped you before. Go get a good night's nice rest. And during the night, God sent angels with big old hammers. 
And when Noah went back to the job site the next morning, that peg was in the hole. Because Noah had done all that he could do. Everything within his strength. And sometimes that's what you have to do with your story. You see, God doesn't do it so that you can do it. God does it in your life so that he can do it. Do you realize, now I want you to get a hold of this. Think about this for a minute. I've only, I read this a couple of weeks ago and it stuck with me and I pray that it'll stick with you, okay? Our God is the God that makes impossibilities impossible. Think about that. He doesn't make impossibilities possible. That's what everybody normally thinks. But our God makes impossibilities impossible. What the world would see as impossible, your story makes possible. You look at that person and you say, oh, they're too far gone. They're, they're, the, the sin has ravaged their life. They're, they're whole, uh, there's no hope for that person. They're impossible. Do you realize that, that, that the idea that that person is so far gone is impossible? Get that. Lay your hand on that. Wrap your mind around that. Do you know anybody like that? I do. I'm going after him. I told Brother Ronnie this morning, when I visit, I, I visit. And you know, I've been visiting years and years, brother. We've, we, dear brother here, he's, he's got the tenure. But I've been visiting since 1980. And you get a card back in the old days, and it's got a name on it. And you think, oh boy. What's this one going to be like? So you look it up on the map in the old days, okay? You look it up on the street map. We had street maps that we had to use, okay? If I give a street map to a 13-year-old today, they'd say, what in the world is this? You know, so you use the street map, you find the house, you go there, and you're saying in your heart, oh, Lord, help me. The last one was really tough. I hope this one's an easy one. You know, I mean, I'm human. You know, you hope for an easy one every once in a while. Really, you hope for easy ones all the time. Okay? But when I visit, I, I, I say, okay, Lord, I want one easy one and one hard one tonight. Okay? And this one night several months ago, probably a year ago, because last year was really when I was able, I've been out a couple of times, but last year I was able to really hit it hard. And I was able to get out, and I went after a man by the name of Travis. His last name started with a B, I'm not going to say it. But if there was ever a man in the town, in the city, in the county of Macon County, Tennessee, this was the man that every police officer wanted to see put in jail. 
He was a rounder. He was a fighter. He was a drug addict. He, he was, if there was a mobster in Macon County, it was Travis. And the guys around town had told me about him, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go after that guy. And I called one of the older ladies in our church, the oldest lady in our church, Sister Joanne. I said, Sister Joanne, I'm going after the worst man in the county, and I need you to pray for me. And she goes, oh, preacher, don't do that. She really said that. Don't do that, preacher. I don't want to lose my preacher. I thought, oh, Lord, I need need support here. You know, I need help. And she she said, I don't want to lose my preacher. I said, then pray. I thought, if, if, if... The Lord wanted somebody to pray for me. This was the right person to pray for me because she was going to pray that I'd stay alive, you know. And honestly, her prayers, I turned the corner in a circle uh, neighborhood, turned the first corner. His house was the next house on the next corner. I turned the corner, and he and two women were out in the park in the driveway, and I pulled in the driveway trying to make this story fast. And uh, I got out of my car, and I started walking up to him, and he said, who are you? I said, I'm Greg Wilson. And he reached over in the back of a pickup truck and grabbed a hammer and started running for me. I said, Travis, I'm here. I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm coming because the Lord Jesus loves you, and I love you. I said that as fast as I could say it. And he dropped. He dropped that hammer, and he dropped on his knees, and he said, don't bother me. He said, I'm on meth right now, and I can't handle it. Help me. And his girlfriend, her name was Lashana, and a year before, Debbie can tell you, she sat at our house eating at our table with her previous boyfriend because I had gone after him, and I didn't know that she was with him now. I didn't know that she was with Travis And when she saw me, she got scared. I don't know why. (laughs) Because I was scared enough for everybody, okay? (laughs) Uh, This is a true story. And, And the other girl that was standing there and talking to the couple, she was the sister of a young man that had been saved out of our jail ministry. I led him to the Lord on a Tuesday night, sitting in our sanctuary, And I led him to the Lord by reading to him uh, Amazing Grace and showing him verses according to the song Amazing Grace. He got gloriously saved. It was his sister that was sitting there, standing there, and she never saw, I never met her before. And she turned and looked at Lashana and she says, she's never been in church. She had just gotten out of jail. She said, this is a God moment, you know? Do you know that even the demons in hell will praise God when you tell your story? They will. They won't have any choice. I looked through the window of a of a of a one-star motel this week. I have little invitation cards with the way you choose makes a difference. John 14, Jesus says, I am the way. And I give those cards out. I gave that card out to that little lady. She's probably 40. Little bitty Indian woman from India. 
I knew her because I had witnessed to her son, Sonny. He's, I don't know how to say his last, his first or last name, so he goes by Sonny. I said, man, where's Sonny? She said, he's gone. But he calls me once every three weeks and he tells me he hates me. And she started to cry. I said, ma'am, the Lord Jesus will always love you. I said, and I love Sonny and I'm going to be praying for him and I'm hunting him down. She said, oh, you'll do that. You'll do that. I, and she was leaning over to the window and tears were just running down her face. I'm telling you, if you'll just tell your story, you won't believe. The Bible says in verse number Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. You're going to meet people like that when you start telling your story. It's unbelievable how many times it'll get easier for you. It will. God will give you calmness, a, a calmness and a, a, a realization that you're standing in his power at that time, the power of the word of God. Lastly, the first time a sword is mentioned in the Bible is the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number, I think it's 29, it says that God placed cherubims by the door of the Garden of Eden after he drove the man out. We have mules in Tennessee. And you have to drive mules because they have their own will. Okay? And you know what? Adam and Eve's will was to go back to the garden. And God said, no, I'm going to put a flaming sword by that garden. And the Bible says that it turned back and forth and flames came from it to keep man out of the garden. I also, it doesn't say this, but I also believe that the devil would want to go in there also. Okay? Because demons, I, I believe demons... Um, still yearn. They still have a yearning for the things of God, but they can't. And that's the way people in hell are going to be. They're going to desire the the. They're going to. There's going to be a possibility that they will desire the redemption of God, but it won't be found. They're going to desire God's mercy, but it'll be too late. The grace of God will be, the day of grace will be long past for them. That flaming sword, I believe, will be the last sword mentioned in Revelation 19.21. And that's where the sword comes out of the mouth of Jesus and he slays all the evil that has come up against him in the last final fight. And I want you to realize that when you tell your story, you have the word of God, you have the sword of God 
God has not sent you out to do a job that he's not given you the capability of doing. My friend, listen to the Lord today. If you're not ready to meet him, there's grace and mercy available for you. There's, there's help and hope in the story of the Lord Jesus. The last thing I wanted to say, and I'll say it fast. I looked on that little blade at home, and I took it out. And it's in a leather sheath, and the hilt is brass. And one of the things that I did in my life, I was an um, architectural metal refinisher. And I know how to refinish brass. I know how to do a lot of metals. But when I took that, that blade out, I looked, and there was green oxidation all around the hilt of that sword. And then where, you, where it laid against the leather, there was green oxidation on that leather. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, Mr., there's going to be a day of reckoning even for Christians. And you'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. And the Lord Jesus is going to inspect your sword to see what you've done with it. And if your sword has been in the, in the sheath too long, there's going to be green oxidation. And nothing you can say will change that. And you're going to be mighty sad because your sword has stayed in the sheath too long without being used. The Lord Jesus loved you to die, enough to die for you. Can't you tell your story for him? As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.